0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Who Killed? The After Show. I don't typically do these types of things, but in this particular case, it's interesting to talk a little bit about the fact that the family and the police were so disconnected for the first year of the investigation, the first two years of the investigation, to be honest with you, and I had mentioned in the episode that there were two press conferences on December 16th, 2018, and the first one was held by Brian Greenspan, who was the Sherman family attorney, and he basically laid out the issues that he had with the Toronto Police Services investigation. And in turn, Mark Saunders of the Toronto Police Services turned around and held his very own press conference to dispute some of the claims that... Greenspan had laid out. So, what I'm doing this week a little differently is I'm actually just going to play you guys both press conferences. And I do hope that you listened to the first part of my conversation with Nick about the Honey and Barry Sherman murders. And again, this is a very interesting case. And just two days ago, there was information from the police about a person of interest actually being named. Now, they didn't actually come out and name him, but they said that they have a person of interest. So this is all very much a fluid situation. So again, I'm going to play you guys. The first conference is that of Brian Greenspan, and the second is that of Chief Saunders. Now, take a listen and see if you can pick up any of the discrepancies between the two. Thanks so much. Hope you're enjoying your holiday shopping. Thank you for
1: your attendance today. My name is Brian Greenspan. On Saturday, December 16th, 2017, the day after the shocking discovery of the murders of Barry and Honey Sherman, I was routine to advise the Sherman family as to the manner in which they might contribute to the investigation of their parents' double homicide. The family had been understandably outraged by the unfounded police statement on Friday evening, which they believed from the outset had jeopardized and indeed compromised the integrity of the investigation. At the outset of my remarks today, I wish to reaffirm the pledge and commitment made by the Sherman family and maintained throughout the investigation to support the Toronto Police Service in their efforts to seek justice for their parents and to pursue those responsible for these unspeakable crimes. The sole objective of ensuring that no stone be left unturned and the private resources which the Sherman family will continue to make available is the enhancement of the police investigation of their parents' murders and the advancement of the common goal of finding and prosecuting the perpetrators. When Barry and Honey Sherman were murdered more than 10 months ago, the only hope and expectation which the family had is what every grieving family of every victim of violent crime should expect, a professional and comprehensive investigation in order to seek justice and closure. While the lifestyle or the position which a victim has held in society should never have a bearing on either the public resources or the commitment which investigators have in solving a crime, it is also understood that investigations of this nature are complex and time-consuming. The Sherman family is acutely aware of the pressures and responsibilities placed on the Toronto Police Services, particularly in 2018. This year has seen unprecedented acts of violence in our community. It is understood by the family that the Toronto Police Service Homicide Squad has been heavily taxed. My mandate at the outset included assembling a distinguished group of homicide and forensic investigators with the commitment which we first expressed to the Toronto Police Service on Monday, December 18th, 2017, four days after the discovery of these crimes, and which we have reiterated on numerous subsequent occasions, never to interfere or compromise the investigation, but rather to provide support during this challenging process. We have benefited from a team of distinguished investigators, four of this group join me today. Let me briefly introduce them. Tom Klatt, who organized our efforts, enjoyed a celebrated career with the Toronto Police Service which spanned over two decades, and during which he spent seven years in homicide where he was involved in more than 70 murder investigations. He also served as a key member of the Intelligent Bureau in elite units investigating organized crime and international drug distribution. Mike Davis enjoyed a legendary 32-year career with the Toronto Police Service and during his 17 years as a detective and detective sergeant in the homicide squad, was involved in more than 100 murder investigations. Of significance in our efforts, he has been qualified as an expert on the standard of police investigations and police practices. Both in the Superior Court of Ontario and the British Columbia Supreme Court, Ray Zarb was a member of the Toronto Police Services for 33 years, and for over 14 years, also served as a detective and detective sergeant. During which he was involved in, ec- in excess of 60 homicide investigations and countless suspicious deaths. He was also a key participant in the Special project section where he assisted in the investigation, extradition and conviction of homicide suspects internationally. He also initiated the formation of the Cold Case Unit. Brian Dalrymple also joins us today. During his 28 years with the Forensic Identification Services of the Ontario Provincial Police, his expertise in fingerprint and footwear identification body examination, computer enhancement, and forensic photography were utilized in numerous homicides and major projects targeting organized crime. He was a pioneer in the use of lasers to detect fingerprints, and as a result, the OPP became the first police agency in the world to be operational with this technology. Other key consultants upon whom we have relied include Dennis Bulligan, Who served with the Toronto Police Service for 35 years and as a staff sergeant in charge of specialized operations with the forensic identification services and as a detective sergeant in charge of operations for the scenes of crime section. Alan Benton was the coordinator and an instructor in the provincial scenes of crime officer training program. He was previously a forensic identification instructor at the Ontario Police College and a member of the Toronto Police Service for over 30 years. Dr. David Chasen, the former Chief Pathologist of Ontario, conducted the private autopsies of Barry and Honey Sherman on Wednesday, December 20th, 2017. And Dr. Peter Collins, Associate Professor of Forensic Psychiatry at the University of Toronto, has extensive law enforcement experience in violent crime analysis and has served as a consultant with respect to the crime scene. Let me be perfectly clear. We have not come today to either reveal the scope or extent of those investigatory steps in which we have been involved, nor to suggest the direction with the in, which the investigation will now take. We will make no public disclosure of information which either we have acquired or which we believe is in the hands of the Toronto Police Service. We have also always understood the need to maintain the integrity of the police investigation and the potential concerns with respect to sharing information with parallel private investigators. We will do nothing to compromise the public or private efforts to bring those responsible to justice. Nevertheless, we have also persistently urged the Toronto Police Service and their Council to consider the wealth of academic literature which supports the value of public-private partnerships in law enforcement and the advantages of utilizing private resources to advance complex investigations. We believe that there are procedures which can be established to protect the integrity of a police investigation in achieving our common goal, finding and prosecuting the perpetrators of these unspeakable crimes. Australian scholars have identified a number of key factors critical to the success of private-public partnerships, including mutual respect, information sharing based on high levels of trust and confidentiality, and a willingness to experiment and consider all ideas. It has never been our intention to alienate the Toronto Police Service or to conduct an audit of their performance. Our intention has been to provide additional resources and enhance the investigation. It remains a belief of the Sherman family that by working together, we will increase their chance of finding justice. The Sherman family has conducted itself with dignified restraint and has only responded when public comment ostensibly based on police sources was unfounded, factually incorrect and led the initial investigation to what we believe to be the wrong direction. Their experiences during the course of the investigation have led the family to reluctantly conclude that they must publicly share their concerns. In moving forward after more than ten months of silence and frustration, The Sherman family felt it appropriate for the public to understand why they believe that it is time for a new initiative. On December 15, 2017, as you know, Barry and Honey Sherman were discovered in the basement of their home in Toronto. Toronto police attended the scene, and before any investigative or inquiries had taken place, they came to the conclusion and announced to the public that there was no sign of forced entry and that they were not currently seeking any suspects. That misguided, indeed unfounded conclusion left the wrong impression that this was a self-inflicted crime, either a suicide or murder-suicide. That comment set the wheels in motion and conveyed a false sense of security to the public and devastation to the Sherman family. Police are required by law to maintain a certain professional standard in their approach to investigations, but in this case, at this stage of the investigation, the manner in which the Toronto Police Service conducted itself fell well below that standard of how a reasonable officer in similar circumstances should have acted. The police failed to properly examine and assess the crime scene where Barry and Honey Sherman were located in the basement by the pool. They failed to recognize the suspicious and staged manner in which their bodies were situated, sitting next to each other with ligatures pulled up around their necks and wrapped around a railing, forcing them into an upright position. Barry Sherman's legs were outstretched, with one crossed over the other in a passive manner. Wearing his undisturbed eyeglasses, and his jacket pulled slightly behind his back, which would have prevented use of his arms. The observations at the scene, quite apart from the fact that no inquiries had yet been made with respect to security practices at the residence, could not and should not have led to the premature and wrong-minded conclusion announced that first night. This was not the standard by which the Toronto Police Service is expected to fulfill its public responsibility. David Chasen, the retired chief forensic Pathologist of Ontario, conducted the second autopsy on Wednesday, December 20th, 2017. The three homicide investigators present at this press conference today attended at the autopsy and were provided access to photographs of the crime scene. At the conclusion of Dr. Chasen's post-mortem examinations of Barry and Honey Sherman, it became clear that they were both murdered and the Toronto Police Service should not have drawn any conclusion which suggested self-inflicted injuries. We offered access to those conclusions, but it was not until January 24, 2018 that the lead investigator from the Toronto Police Service met with Dr. Chasen. It is our understanding that this discussion impacted and contributed to the belated public announcement by the Toronto Police Service on January 26th, 2018, that Barry and Honey Sherman were the victims of a targeted double homicide. It should be noted that until that meeting, the Toronto Police Service had filed a sworn affidavit to obtain warrants to search indicating that they were investigating the murder of Honey Sherman and not Barry Sherman falling below the standard of how we believe a reasonable officer in like circumstances should have acted. While the Toronto Police Service held on to the Sherman family home for six weeks, best practices were not followed. For example, it would be typical in a murder investigation of this sort to have vacuumed the immediate area where the Shermans were found. The intruders might have left behind a small sample of hair, or fabric, The Toronto Police Service failed to follow best practices and did not vacuum the area. When the crime scene was turned over to the Sherman family, our investigative team vacuumed at the outset of their examination, which unfortunately was now a contaminated crime scene. Furthermore, the Toronto Police Service did not follow best practices in their failure to conduct a thorough examination of the points of entry into the home. If this best practice had been followed, they would have located a point of entry to the home which would have seriously undermined their misleading and irresponsible conclusion that there had been no forced entry. This oversight and failing to have comprehensively examined the locks fell well below the standard of what would be expected during a homicide investigation. One of the first steps in a murder investigation, is to collect all fingerprints and potential DNA from the scene, and to compare those fingerprints and bodily fluids with those from everyone known to have been present at the scene at a time proximate to the crime. This collection of prints and fluids is conducted for the simple purpose of elimination. Whose fingerprints do we recognize? Whose might have been left behind by an intruder? We know that today, more than 10 months after the murders, this preliminary and simple task has not yet been completed. Aside from failing to complete the standard protocol of fingerprint elimination, the police also missed at least 25 palm or fingerprint impressions that were discovered by our private team at the scene once the house had been turned over to us after more than six weeks of police presence. Needless to say, the failure to follow simple procedures regarding print elimination, again fell well below best practice standards, which should have been observed.
2: Hello, everyone.
1: For the family, the most perplexing and upsetting aspect of the investigation was the failure to recognize the obvious, that the bodies of Barry and Honey Sherman were staged post-mortem in a very deliberate manner. This entire process has caused needless additional pain and suffering to the Sherman family. As was stated earlier, the Sherman family understands the pressures and responsibilities that are placed upon the Toronto Police Service. Regrettably, it has become clear to them that despite the active pursuit of search warrants and exploring other investigative avenues, police resources have neither been properly managed nor effectively utilized. Therefore, as this new initiative, as an attempt to reignite an investigation, the Sherman family has asked me to announce the offer of a reward of up to $10 million for information leading to the apprehension and prosecution of those responsible for the murders of Honey and Barry Sherman. A call centre has been established to collect tips and information 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. It will be live monitored from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. daily, and monitored by voice message overnight. The leads will be analyzed and vetted, and any meaningful information will be conveyed immediately to the Toronto Police Service. The toll-free number, North American Reward Line, is 1-833-668-0001, and the international number is 011-905-849-7373. Those lines have now been activated. In establishing both the reward process and the call center, we believe that the assessment of eligibility for reward and the contribution and value which information might be assessed should be evaluated in, accord- in accordance with accepted international protocols and administered by an independent panel. We therefore also announce that the following dis- three distinguished participants in the criminal justice system have agreed to assist us in this effort and serve as that panel. Matthew Turrigian. Mr. Trigian was formerly Waterloo Region's Chief of Police, a past president of the Ontario Association of Chiefs of Police, and a member of the Board of Directors of the Canadian Association of Chiefs of Police. He's a graduate of Wilfrid Laurier University and holds a master's degree from the University of Western Ontario. He was invested as an officer of the Order of Merit of Police Forces in 2012. From June 2014 until this past week, in October of 2018, he served as Ontario's Deputy Minister of Community Safety. His portfolio included the Ontario Provincial Police, Public Safety, including police education and training, as well as death investigations in Ontario. He is currently a distinguished fellow at the Monk School of Global Affairs and Public Policy and Global Policing at the University of Toronto. Dr. Peter Collins, who I mentioned previously, assisted with respect to the stage nature of the Sherman Homicides, is an associate professor of forensic psychiatry at the University of Toronto. He has for almost 20 years been a key consultant in law enforcement with violent crime and behavior analysis units of major police organizations, both in Canada and the United States. He has worked with and instructed numerous criminal justice agencies not only in North America but in Europe, South Africa, Southwest Asia, South America, and Australia. Frank Adario. A distinguished colleague of mine, recognized as one of the leading criminal defense lawyers in Canada, and in 2016 was awarded the G. Arthur Martin Criminal Justice Medal for his contributions to criminal justice. He is a past president of the Criminal Lawyers Association of Ontario, a fellow of the American College of Trial Lawyers, and a vice president of the Canadian Civil Liberties Association. In 2012 he was awarded the Diane Martin Medal for Social Justice through law, recognizing a member of the Canadian legal community who has demonstrated a commitment to using the law as a means of achieving social justice. And finally, on behalf of the Sherman family, we would invite Chief Saunders of the Toronto Police Service to appoint a member of the force to join this panel in administering and assessing the eligibility for this reward. As I said at the outset of these remarks, the Sherman family is committed to ensuring that no stone be left unturned and that whatever resources that may contribute are available to law enforcement in achieving our common goal.
0: So there you had Brian Greenspan breaking down the case as far as he saw it. And now I am going to play you, Chief Mark Saunders, press conference from that very same day so enjoy.
2: Good afternoon and thank you for attending police headquarters. My name is Constable Carolyn DeClute, and I'm here today to introduce Chief Mark Saunders who will be speaking about the Sherman investigation. Chief.
3: Thank you Carolyn. Thank you all for being here right now and, and first and foremost uh, right at the top I, I do want to extend um, my thoughts to the Sherman family. I um, when when all is said and done, I I hope that we don't lose fact that uh, this investigation is because we've lost uh, two individuals, parents, grandparents, brothers and sisters, and um, the loss of life is something that we do take seriously. And um, I also want to make it clear that we all have the same objective. Uh, I, I had the opportunity of listening to Mr. Greenspan in his presentation today. We all have the same objective at the end of the day we want to bring those people responsible for this investigation before the judicial system and that is something that we will make every effort to and will continue to make every effort to move towards that. And I also want to clarify that the Toronto Police Service never reached a premature conclusion with this investigation. This investigation has been done um, to a very high level of professionalism and high level of expertise. I know Detective Sergeant Susan Gomes, and she has been a homicide investigator for quite some time. Very credible in the courtroom, has presented herself well in every case that I have seen her involved in. And when we take this investigation, I can tell you right from the start one of the first things that was done as a precautionary, as it started out as a divisional investigation, homicide was on scene right away, watching, monitoring, making sure everything was in fact done. Number two, a forensic pathologist, was also brought on scene, an extra layer of level of expertise to help navigate with understanding the crime scene, understanding the gravity of where this investigation needs to go. And so factoring those two, you can see that there's a lot of work and effort right at the forefront. When we talk about the officers involved in the case, when we have over 50 officers involved in the case, when we talk about over 39 judicial authorizations that have been presented, over 4,000 pages of typed documents with this investigation, the fact that the house was searched for over six weeks forensically and very thoroughly, the fact that well over 200 witnesses have been interviewed, the fact that the neighborhood was canvassed over 4 terabytes, over 2,000 hours of video has been retrieved, and the fact that this is still an ongoing investigation, leads me to conclude that the investigation was not taken lightly and still is not taken lightly. When we talk about the fact that the investigators have worked hand-in-hand with the Ministry of the Attorney General's Office, worked hand-in-hand with the Centre of Forensic Sciences. These are two fields that are knowledgeable, skilled, when it comes to these types of investigations. And the fact that there was tremendous involvement right from the start, as well as several case conferences held over and over to make sure that this investigation was looked at with the highest regard. So I just want to say that all of those things are and have been presented with respect to this investigation. We have uh, created important partnerships as I've just described to you and along the way we've received reassurance from important legal minds. I want to take you to Justice Pringle who has a full understanding of the investigation when she read the informations to obtain and her conclusion speaks to the thoroughness of the investigation and so we put all of these things together and We conclude that the investigation was done well and continues to be done well but I do want to say it's not over yet. I do want to say that we are continuing to work very hard to reach the conclusion that we feel we can reach with the help of the public. I don't want to get into specifics of all the evidentiary pieces that were spoken about but I I will say that the evidence will take us where we need to go and we'll continue to work and try our best to uh, resolve this investigation to reach a successful conclusion. And we encourage the lawyers that we have right now to continue the discussions regarding the information and protocol for exhibits sharing so that we can have a proper and robust protocol that will help us in furthering this. And we also support the family's decision to put up the reward. Anything that helps lead to a successful conclusion I think is a good thing. We know that historically that rewards don't necessarily help when it comes to concluding cases But this is an opportunity that may offer great assistance. It certainly will put the investigation back in light again, and hopefully there are people that are out there that have an understanding or have information that can help further this investigation. So as always, there is that public appeal so that uh, if anyone has any information that hasn't provided that information yet, to please contact the Homicide Squad at 808-7400 and help us solve this investigation. And I will take any questions if anyone has any right now.
2: We heard from the family's lawyer proposing a public-private partnership,
3: offering child police uh, private resources. Is that something that you're open to? Well, you know, the, 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 that point was something that was brought up and, and, and examples have that were also brought up when we talk about forensic accountants and, and specialized entities within the private sector that help us solve particular crimes. When I talk about the modernization plan and talking about creating stronger partnerships to enhance community safety, um, those are things that are considered but I I, I will tell you it, it has to withstand the integrity of the court of law, it has to withstand the continuity piece and it also has to go through that bias lens. What is that private sector? What is the vested interest in that private sector? Who is paying that private sector? Does it have any influence or effect on that particular investigation? So these are things that have to be scrutinized and have to be weighed out because at the end of the day for a conclusion to any type of investigation it has to be brought before the court of law. It has to withstand all of those tests in order to be successful. And, and, and that's our end game. It has to be done successfully to withstand the scrutiny that will be brought before any courts. Are you
0: saying that you don't think that the team assembled or suggested by the
2: Sherman family and their lawyer would meet that test
3: then? I, I didn't say that. The question was asked and I answered that question.
2: Uh, communication have you had with a private investigator and have you received the the information or the evidence
3: as they're calling it uh, that they have discussed? Uh, um, In its totality no but I can say that there was a face-to-face in May of this year um, and the request was to uh, to receive the the evidence that that was uh, seized so that it can be uh, put into the uh, investigation and the lead investigator who has the best knowledge of this case has the opportunity to reach that conclusion that we're all trying to reach um, due I'm to the... Totality, no, why is that the case? Well, there are specifics that need to be also added on. I won't get into that because it, it does uh, lead towards evidentiary pieces, which I, I don't want to disclose. Some things were disclosed today that, uh, you know, I have to be cognizant that the suspects or suspects, no doubt, are watching this right now. I, I know that for a fact. Um, and so I want to be careful to not present any evidence to help That particular person or individuals that are responsible. And so I'm not uh, trying to not answer the question, but I'm cognizant of what the big picture is. And so there are times when I won't be able to give a fulsome answer to certain questions that are going to be asked. I will get back to what the initial thought was and I I, I do believe that uh, we all have the same goals. The the Sherman family are frustrated and and, and concerned and uh, I do believe that uh, Mr. Greenspan has the same objective that we have which is to reach a a conclusion. We would love to do that. Um, There are steps in order to get there. The Toronto Police Service will lead, continues to lead all investigations especially when they are serious ones such as homicides and uh, what that map looks like to get to that finish line uh, we will figure out as the lawyers have their conversations.
2: Chief, harsh criticism for trial police. We heard from the family's lawyer uh, things like the door lock's not being investigated, fingerprints and DNA from the city. Uh, that should have been done right away. How do you respond to that?
3: Well, you know, I, I just want to make a comment when um, Justice Pringle, there, there are very few people that have the entire investigation. And I, I, Mr. Greens, Greenspan does not have the entire investigation. Uh, Justice Pringle has had a look at the most recent information to obtain. My lead investigators have the full understanding of the investigation. Uh, CFS has a lot of the information and the Ministry of Attorney General. And Justice Pringle ke- said a, a comment which, which I think leads to today where she said read out of context and in isolation bits and pieces of information have real potential to be misleading. And so because you don't have all of that information, homicide investigations are dynamic, they're fluid in nature and the best person to make the decisions in real time are the lead investigators, the highly trained lead investigators. And I will tell you that the members of the Toronto Police Service do the most homicides in Canada. They are challenged and scrutinized more so than any others and rightfully so and they accept that challenge. But I will tell you, they have a very high conviction rate. And it's because of their professionalism. It's because they understand law. They understand how to gather the evidence, present it properly, so we have the successful outcome. So if you have an opinion on it, you're entitled to that opinion. We don't deal with opinions. We deal with facts. That's what we bring before the courts. And we have a very strong, successful rate in doing just that. So to,
2: to your point, though, if you believe that investigators only have a... The private investigators only have a small piece of the puzzle, why not commit to working
3: together to bring those pieces? And I don't want to oversimplify that you know Mr. Greenspan brought up the good point about integrity and and about continuity. All of those factors have to come into play. You don't just walk over and go here you go and walk out but as a police agency knowing that we have to bring things before court we have to ask the questions. How did you gather that information? Are you accredited with respect to gathering that information? Are your accreditations up to date and up to speed? What methodology did you use? Why did you use that methodology? Who was present at the time? Was it videoed? Were there comprehensive notes that were taken? All of these things need to come into play in order to properly do that. So it's not just that simple. There are, there are a lot of pieces to it. And what's more important is I think that we're all moving towards that. And, and I'm not trying to create a divide here. I think that this is an opportunity, that we do have that opportunity to move forward, to reach that successful outcome. I think that would be something that we, we'd like to have at the end of the day. And, and so... Um, but those things have to be considered when it comes to how things happen. It's, it's not that simple.
2: Why do you have a, formal, sorry, you have have a formalized
0: formal. partnership help you answer some of those questions to make sure that you basically have a bunch of extra hands helping, you're able then to check that they're using you know,
2: methods that will stand
0: up I'm to sorry, the testing I, court. and court?
3: i, I got to tell you, I, I answered that question if you heard me the past five minutes. I, I really did. Why but,
2: haven't we heard from travel Police in the last ten months? Why have there been such few updates?
3: It's not the update is not important. What is important is the investigation is ongoing, the investigation is continuing, that the investigation is furthering and when you read Justice Pringle's comments she states just that. It's not me saying that. Highly trained officers of the court are saying that and I get my briefings when I need them. I have the all the faith in the investigators that that, that work on these investigations. This investigation is not taken lightly. It never has been, it never will be, and, and, and as I stated before, there was no pre-conclusion that had any interference whatsoever with the actions that were taken, when they were taken, with respect to this particular case. Chief,
2: I'm sure you're aware of this, but the family has suggested that police suggested that this was a murder-suicide early on, Uh, obviously something they did not agree with, they were very upset by that, but we heard very early on from detectives that they weren't looking for any suspects, there was no sign of forced entry, and no concern for public safety. Why would you say that so early on?
3: And and I'll I'll touch on a couple of things and I'll be very frank. At no point in time did the Toronto Police Service say that this was a murder-suicide. People took the ball and ran. We did not say that, and I'll be very clear on that. And the, the point that you're talking about yes uh, early on in the investigation uh, officers spoke and there's a backstory to the whole thing that the, the what was said was that to alleviate the concerns of the neighborhood and to further go on and say people in the areas mindset at ease. Those things were said in that statement and it was because in that particular area I'm not sure if, if you're aware but there was a inordinate rash of break and enters in that area. Something like 160 break-in areas in a very affluent area that had happened in a very short period of time. That neighborhood, that community was incredibly alarmed. Their concern was, are we going to be able to sleep tonight? Was this a break-and-enter gone wrong? Should we sleep? Should we go somewhere? What is going on? And so a town hall was had a week and a half before addressing those very concerns for that specific community. So when that officer was speaking, that officer was speaking in context of that geographical neighborhood, which is why he clearly said, I want to alleviate the concerns of the neighborhood. I want to put the neighborhood's mind at ease. There were no and still, the official, the official stance that we took was suspicious. It was a suspicious investigation right from the start. Any homicide investigation, when a determination of the investigation is made, is after the postmortem. It's after the postmortem. Any homicide case when we say what it is, it is after the postmortem. It's not said on scene and so the lead investigator is a person responsible for that. The lead investigator worked hard with the Center of Forensic Science and with the Ministry of the Attorney General's office but I can tell you in less than 24 hours it was a suspicious investigation And, and due diligence was exercised. It did not in any way reflect on the mindset or the direction that was taken with this particular investigation. Is
2: there any part of the investigation that you think was mishandled? What was that? Is there any part of this investigation, this high profile investigation, that you think, from your point of view, was mishandled?
3: Well, I, I can tell you personally, being involved in homicide investigations and running homicide uh, investigations over and over again, I can take every single case that I've done, and there are things that I could have done differently. So... The generic answer to that is any given time yet. Could you be a better person tomorrow? Sure. So it's, it's the answer anyone at any time could do something different with respect to their investigations from any magnitude. But what I do want to get across is this is a homicide investigation. This is taken seriously. Highly trained officers who have to make decisions in a very fluid and dynamic environment in real time and nobody and I repeat nobody has the ability of making the proper decisions than those people in those moments based on the three-dimensional components of what has to be understood, interpreted, analyzed and then figuring out what the next step is to move the investigation further. Thank you very much. You, everybody. Are you going to um, invite an officer on the panel? Oh. Why'd you wait so long to ask that question? Um, no. W- with respect to the, to the panel um, I look forward to that. I want to, I want to understand what the terms of reference are going to be with respect to that. And as I stated earlier, anything that supports our conclusion, um, Mr. Greenspan has the same objective as we do to solve this double homicide. But understanding as well that it has to withstand the scrutiny of the court of law. And, and so if it meets that, uh, the test, then definitely we'll be involved. Thank you very much.
2: That concludes today's conference. Thank you for attending.
0: So there were the uh, two press conferences. I hope you guys found those to be somewhat interesting and provide you guys with a little bit of knowledge about the case. I do have part two of my conversation with Nick coming up next week. And again, this is a fluid investigation, especially with this new person of interest being publicly publicly, brought up on the day before thanksgiving and uh this is something that we're going to be following so i very much appreciate you guys tuning in and hope you enjoyed this little bonus episode after show whatever you want to call it and again uh thanks so much for tuning in if you guys want to follow me on twitter do so at bill huffman three and again i drop new episodes of who killed every friday at midnight so Thanks so much again and till next week stay healthy and be safe